Titillating Talks. And we're busting fitness myths. I'm Laura. I'm Hallie. And this is Titillating Talks. We're best friends and we're busting fitness myths. And sharing honestly. Welcome. Hi. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. <laughs> My ears are sweaty. I'm sorry. <laughs> and now everybody gets to know. So I'm like fidgeting with my headphones. The one of those, one of those body parts that doesn't usually sweat, you know? Yeah, the perks of having big, puffy, professional ear muffs or what are these called? Headphones. Headphones. <laughs> Headphones. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, big ear muffs is that <laughs> uh, they they suction around your ear and get all weird. But anyway, we're here. Hi. Hi. <laughs> we're doing it. We're How doing it you? again. Yeah, we're doing it again. Yeah. Doing it and doing it and doing it again. So, yeah. We're just going to like dive right in because why not? Yeah. We're going to yeah. try to make so this episode a little shorter than the last one because the last one, kind of <laughs> we kind of went into a lot of details and it got a little long, but um, we are continuing <laughs> our theme of pain because it's pain awareness month. It's September. And um, we wanted to talk about how movement heals pain and the things that you can do on your own to help have positive effects on your pain perception, your pain tolerance, and yeah, basically how to take action to help heal or reduce your pain. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mentioned in the last episode that my mother-in-law fell um, and, you know, I think a lot of what I'm going to end up talking about is injury prevention and control mm. um, from the perspective of somebody who really enjoys working with people towards their end of life. Um, meaning like I, I tend to talk a lot with my clients about what they want their last 10 years on earth to look like. And when I ask them that, it's not like I, I want to hear about them sitting on a porch and looking at a field. Like I want to know <laughs> basically what they're doing, what their body is, right? And like, and I think for younger generations, sometimes that can be a harder question to answer because maybe people don't have kids yet. Or if they have kids, they're not really thinking about their toddlers having babies themselves yet. So it can be hard to see themselves as grandparents. But for my older clients that are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, that's a real thing, right? They want to be able to get down on the floor. They want to be able to get back up. Um, they want to be able to walk down stairs. They want to be able to walk upstairs. They want to be able to boat. They want to be able to do a lot of things that they've maybe gotten really used to doing in their younger years that they really enjoy that are physical activities that are starting to feel harder and maybe feel a little scary because um, maybe it's harder for them to get into the kayak. Maybe it's harder for them to get out of the kayak. You know, wh whatever these things are that they really long to do, they want to keep doing them. And I think that when you have your eye on that prize, right, when you like look forward to this version of yourself, it makes everything, I don't want to say easier, but maybe there's like a optimism of like, wow, if I just keep doing this thing and I really get into this practice of loving my body, 
I'll continue to have a body that's going to love me back. And so I'm, I'm going to kind of talk from that perspective. Cool. Yeah, I love that. And I'm going to talk a little bit from the perspective of science, <laughs> you know, how I, <laughs> how I like the science-based things and like human biology and things like that. But then also we're going to bust some myths about pain and myths surrounding pain management a little bit and how movement is actually one of the best things that you can do for certain types of injuries and for certain types of pain. Cause like we talked about in the past episode, there are, you know, obviously different levels of pain. There are different reasons why you might have pain. There's psychological, physiological, you know, all sorts of things that can contribute to pain. So my perspective is a little bit more on, you know, things that are happening physically in your body that might be acute injuries and how to address them with movement in order to help facilitate healing and reduction of pain sensations. Did you know that once you're 40 years old, that just taking 8,000 steps or more a day compared to only taking 4,000 steps is associated with a 51% lower risk of death from all causes? Booyah. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. And that just starts in your forties. Yeah. I mean, movement really is medicine for many different reasons. Obviously your body is being more active, your, you know, respiratory system, your cardiovascular system, your musculature is being worked. Blood flow is happening. Oxygen's getting to all the body parts, hopefully, <laughs> you know, and so that is going to help keep your body more like healthy over time. And there's like neuroplasticity that is involved, which refers to the brain's ability to like adapt to things and to, to function in different ways and reorganize in new environments and things like that. So just taking those 8,000 steps a day, you're making all of those things happen and like rejuvenate in your body and creating those systems and mechanisms on a, you know, a healthy level. So that's super important. And if you live in an area where maybe it's not so easy to walk, um, maybe you live in an area where it's not safe to walk, you don't have any safe pathways. Um, maybe you work crazy hours and the only time you have off from work is overnight, right? Maybe you're getting out of work really late. You know, there there is something called NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, uh, which is the energy that you expend for anything that you do that's not sleeping, eating, or sports-like exercise. So I think we need to also talk about the importance of literally just moving around. And it could be, yeah, you know, walking to work versus taking, I don't know, a car, if or that's something that's like parking further away in the parking lot. Yeah. It could be going up the stairs rather than taking the elevator or the escalator. Uh, it could Vacuuming be performing. Yeah. It could be performing housework. It could be yard work. It could be agricultural tasks. Uh, it could be fidgeting. <laughs> Literally it could be you moving, you know, walking a dog, walking someone's dog, your dog, somebody else's dog. It, it, does, it could be a lot of things that don't have to look like what we typically think of when we think about exercise. Yeah. Um, and that could still work towards these 8,000 steps. And I think that, you know, people 
people underestimate like what you can get done just cleaning up your house. Yeah. It's so true. Like vacuuming right. is a freaking workout. Every time I vacuum, I am fucking sweating. <laughs> Seriously. I'm like <laughs> getting through all the corners, moving furniture around in order to get the areas under things. And it's work, especially, you know, so- some vacuums are pretty freaking heavy. So it's definitely an aerobic exercise. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It can be, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I had... <laughs> At one of my studios, uh, I had a, a colleague that would make his clients go up and down the flight of stairs of the building to get them into like a pattern of just using the stairs. And there was a four story building. And so he would make them go down. He would wait upstairs, you know, and he would make sure they didn't take the elevator back up. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's like, walk down the stairs and walk back up. And then he'd make them do that a few times. Right. So that's also another option as long as the staircase is safe in your building, um, yeah. you know take the stairs, you know, a few times. I think that people underestimate what they can get done with limited resources and with limited time, you know, and and I think that it's important that we start taking a more macro look at what we're able to get done in our day-to-day and appreciate, even I think on the Weight Watchers or whatever whatever they call them, WW, I think they call themselves now, they have new branding. And I think they list out neat. And my client said that sex is on the list, right? Like, you know, yeah, incentive, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, get it, get her done. <laughs> you know, yeah. it doesn't have to be something that looks like something you'd see on at the gym <laughs> or maybe yeah. you do see that at the gym. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and even just the simple, true, <laughs> especially at an Equinox steam room. But even like the simple thing of just standing for like a phone call instead of sitting, like if you work, Mm -hmm. you know, at a desk all day, I tell this to all my clients that have desk, you know, desk jobs or have to work at a desk. If you're not able to have a standing desk or do that in your office, at least get up for your phone calls. You know, you can put on your Bluetooth and walk around while you're talking on the phone. Not only are you getting more movement into your day, but actually your cognitive function is going to increase because you're moving. Like it's proven that your brain operates better when your body is in move, uh, motion compared mm-hmm. to if you're just sitting stagnant or is sitting statically. Like one of my clients, he's in commercial real estate. And so I tell him, I'm like, do not sit down during your phone calls, move around all the time, or at least stand, you know, at a, at your desk or a stand at your kitchen counter or something and do all your phone calls standing. And it's made a big difference. Actually, he doesn't have as much T-spine and back pain um, over the past few months because he's been doing that because he's moving more and he's not just like hunched over his computer all the time. Oh yeah. It makes a big difference. And I also, you know, we'll add to that because my clients, I think look at that, that information as like a all or nothing. Mm-hmm. scenario like well now I need to just stand right and now I'm just standing for hours yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's like well it, there's a little bit of like uh integrating these two things I want you to move around right so maybe you're standing a little bit maybe then you prop your leg up on something maybe then you sit down then maybe you stand up again and then your other leg is going up on something like it's not about just staying static and yeah we're stagnant in one space it's about moving 
over the time. And so you might, you know, <laughs> as I watch Hallie get up and move around, right? Like my butt was getting, <laughs> my butt was getting, I was sitting on that little stool and my butt was getting numb, like, and painful because I just can't sit in one spot for long. And I think that's what you're about to say is just, you know, right. like, just move actually, around, move around, like change yeah. positions. The worst posture is the posture you're in all day, right? There's right. not like one really bad posture for the human body. Our spine is meant to curve. Like our spine is meant to extend. We're meant to twist and move and bend and things like that. But it's sitting right. in one position or the same position for hours at a time that can then start to cause dysfunction in your body or start to cause chronic pain in your body mm -hmm. because you're in that one position for hours and hours on end. So, and I think if you like look at um, something very, what's a common thing that Americans do, right? We, we go to a bar, right? We go to a bar, people are standing for a really long time. Yeah. The reason why people could stand at a bar for hours and chit chat is because it's like conversational and people are kind of moving around. And again, people are putting their feet up on that little bar that's at the bottom of the bar and like people are leaning back on the stool and then people are sitting on the stool and then people right there's like a lot of this movement so you never feel like you're just standing and staring and talking to your friend and never moving out of that spot right and so the you know wh what's the layover or what's the um what's the place where we can kind of like integrate this like very social scene where we're kind of like vibing with people and moving around and kind of bring that into the workplace right like yeah. obviously keep the beer at the bar but you know the movement pattern of like propping your leg up leaning back on something sitting down moving over right like there's a reason why that is very easy or are you going to a parade or you going to any of these like social events that require you to be on your feet for a really long time don't really feel that strenuous yeah but then you're at work and then you just stare at a screen and you just like don't move for hours but yeah. that feels strenuous, right? Like right. we need to integrate these two worlds and say, okay, well, how do I make work feel a little bit more, I don't know, comfortable. Yeah. Or I say comfortable because work, work isn't always comfortable. Well, you I know, I do it a lot say, when I'm in my sessions, right? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say that another aspect of that is the release of endorphins that are probably happening in that social situation because, mm -hmm. you know, you're chatting with friends you're having a drink you're listening to music at the same time in the background and you know your body's just having those natural good hormones and good chemicals that are feeling good in your body and they actually work to relieve pain so if you can increase your release of endorphins while you're at work or while you're doing tasks you know that's going to help create that sense of like euphoria in the body. And that's what regular exercise does for you. Like that's one of the benefits of movement and how it can heal pain and reduce pain is that release of endorphins. So if you can integrate more movement into your weekly routine, into your daily routine, you're going to have higher levels of those good chemicals of those endorphins, those good hormones that will not only help you like feel good mentally too, um, but it will help your ability to manage pain. And so that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about. So I'm glad we intermixed that into what you were talking about. Yeah. yeah. And in addition to the cognitive functions, uh, you know, working out exercise can definitely improve your mood. It can help to fight off depression. Um, you know, it could prevent or delay some diseases. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, that's very dependent and very specific. So don't take that... <laughs> 
as a promise. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> um, uh, you know, it gives you more energy, especially for as, you know, people, as we get older, it improves your balance, not just mm -hmm. your strength. And I think balance is a really important aspect to think about as we get older um, because falling is a thing. Like I said, I, I'm currently in a headspace where I'm I'm thinking about it a lot, um, but more than one out of four Americans age 65 and over fall every year. Um, and the falls can lead to injuries and some of them can be fatal. And that's scary, you yeah. know? Um, that's really scary. I think that I saw something that said, oh yeah, here it is. About 36 million falls are reported among older adults each year, resulting in 32,000 deaths. Mm. Okay. One out of every five falls causes an injury. Mm. Okay. Each year, at least 300,000 older people are hospitalized for hip fractures. Wow. And women fall more often than men and account for three quarters of all hip fractures. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And a I lot mean, of that is like osteo Exactly. Yeah. Um, but regular strength training, regular movement practice has shown to decrease the risk of osteoporosis, has shown <laughs> to increase your bone density, your joint resilience, things like that. Yeah. I mean, regular exposure to controlled discomfort, right? So that's what exercise is. It's controlled discomfort. You're working with load, especially strength training or resistance training like Pilates, you're working with load, which basically is controlled discomfort. You're working with a load that feels challenging and that can lead to what they call habituation. So that's where the body becomes accustomed to the sensation of discomfort. And so over time that can result to higher pain tolerance as the body becomes more tolerant to like minor discomfort like you won't be completely tolerant to like huge pain. Like if someone, you know, shot you in the foot, <laughs> obviously exercise. Very like, specific. <laughs> I, I just wanted to think of something like kind of extreme, but like if you burnt your arm on the stovetop, obviously that would, that's a different kind of pain. That would, that would be, you know, still very painful, but say for instance, you're a 65 year old woman who exercises regularly and you trip and fall on the sidewalk you're probably not going to feel like that was a super painful experience and you'll be able to get up and kind of shake it off because your muscles and your structure is used to that kind of discomfort or minor discomfort mm -hmm. because you exercise regularly. But someone who doesn't exercise regularly, who doesn't give that kind of tension and discomfort to their muscles on a regular basis and maybe is more sedentary and their muscles aren't used to any sort of stretching, lengthening contractions or pressure and they fall and trip on the sidewalk, that's going to be a very extreme experience for their body because they just haven't built up a tolerance to it at all. So, right. I mean, you're basically training yourself, especially as we get older, like Laura was saying, you're training yourself for the inevitable like we're all gonna fall when we're older it's just a matter of like how extreme will it feel how can right. we recover and you know how intense will it be for our body like our skeletal structure if we have 
you know, the strength training under our belt, if we have that regular movement practice, if our bones are denser, we'll be able to get back up easily and recover from a fall, maybe just with a little bruise instead of a broken bone or something. Interestingly enough, the majority of falls happen in the home. 60% of the falls happen in the home, 30% in a public setting and 10% in a healthcare setting. So, you know, going back to what I was saying about the neat, the, the non-exercise activities, so that there's no hidden traps, because as a mother of a two-year-old, trust me, hidden traps are lurking for me everywhere. <laughs> These Legos are out to kill me. Um <laughs> But it's an activity, right, that I do every evening is just make sure that things are in the appropriate place because, yeah, falling can happen at my age, too. It could just happen if your house isn't tidy and if I could fall off the curb. I could fall off anywhere, right? Anything could happen. Um, really, what we're trying to do is make sure that we eliminate some of these chances, right, if we right. can. And, you know, again, like, like I make a joke, but yes, keep your house tidy. It is a form of exercise. And also it just makes sure it makes you sure that you're not going to trip over anything unnecessarily. Or if you have any older relatives and they come over and visit, they also are not at risk of tripping over anything. Um, because when you fall, right, you have a higher risk of bone fractures. Um, also balance activities, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think coordination. Balance. And it's not just about like, oh, can I stand on one leg? Although that is important. And I do want you to do that too. But it's like, can I walk backwards? Yeah. You know, can I um, move uh, laterally and laterally? Forward and right. Backwards? Can I turn? You know, can I turn? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, if I put something that's slightly unstable underneath my foot, maybe I'm going to stand on a little yoga brick or something, or maybe I'm going to stand on a mat that might have a little cushion to it. You know, mm -hmm. is my foot able to figure out where it is in space and then can it translate that information back to my vestibular system so that I stay upright. Right. Right. Because especially in New York city, there are no even surfaces. I don't live in a place where there's even surfaces. Like we think that things are paved flat, but they're not really flat. <laughs> Every block, right. There's like little bits that are growing up because there's trees pushing things up. If I go downtown to the meatpacking district, there are cobblestones everywhere right if i go then into the park with my son there's a hill and there's grass and there's trees and there's this and there's that and my body needs to be able to figure that out for me maybe it's easier because i've been doing this a really long time if somebody else was taking him that might be again older it would be necessary for them to be able to stay upright with the child right and i see yeah. that a lot when i'm at the park is that there are people that are older generations taking their children to the park they need to be able to stay upright too, right? You need to they... be able to assist the child, not the child be the one that <laughs> has more coordination and strength. Like than you. I'm, yeah. <laughs> like I'm gonna trust my child with someone who can't walk or right. like or someone who can't go upstairs easily. Like that's just not gonna happen. Archie is like moving a mile a minute, you're gonna be able to keep up with him, you know? Right. Like that's that's very important. Um, yeah. And that feel. ties back to that like neuroplasticity concept that, you know, regular exercise and strength training promotes the ability for your brain circuits to fire up more, to process pain signals, to have a greater ability to cope with your changing environment and to tolerate pain at a, you know, at a more intense level. So that ability to like go out and like walk on an uneven surface or go to the park and climb a set of playground stairs with your grandchild 
like all of those things are giving more information to your brain, more signals to your brain. So that way you can adapt and basically thrive in any environment, right? And so that's a benefit of strength training, especially if you're training in a way that gives you different different stimuli. Because like a lot of people, especially as they get older, tend to just use machines and sit mm-hmm. on like a cable machine and do a row or sit and do seated bicep curls or lat pull downs. And, you know, yeah, that's great. That's making you strong. But is that giving you stimulus and adaptations for your body that you need in order to thrive in, you know, your environment and like walk in a busy street or, you know, Trader Joe's is a freaking chaotic place. And I see a lot of old people shuffling through Trader Joe's and I'm like, you know, you could benefit from doing some side lunges or doing Mm -hmm. balance work or things like that, because like in those real life scenarios where you have to react to like someone coming around a corner with a cart, like, how are you going to be able to, you know, stand your ground and not be pushed over or not fall or something like that? Well, quite frankly, machines aren't real life, right? Like the, right. They're, they're not going to give you real life stimuli mm-hmm. because they are providing the stability for you in a exactly. way that using dumbbells or free weights or kettlebells or resistance bands would provide you, right? Because then your body has to figure out how to stabilize itself. Mm-hmm. And unless you're so beginner and so deconditioned, I'll say that you simply just cannot hold your body up. I would say avoid the machines unless you're just like trying to do a little pump. You're trying to do a little, a little accessory work and you're yeah. like, right. They have their place. I look, 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 these shoulders got real sexy from some lap pull down on the cable machine. Okay. <laughs> However, right. Like in terms of me getting stronger and being able to do more progressive loads and to hold a baby up and not keel over right while it was inside of me, I'm going to say that the free weights were going to give me more real life, stimuli than the machines were and i was going to say too you know i think there's a lot of similarities between training to be in your last 10 years of life and training prenatal and postnatal i was just gonna say that too there's so much overlap right there's so much overlap (laughs) Mm -hmm. right like between the balance work and like training for real life and being really functional and making sure that your exercises have a purpose and that they're giving you the stimuli that you need in order to get through the marathon that is motherhood okay Mm -hmm. that is what is important right one we're training for the end of your life right which is still a marathon (laughs) right we're we're working up to this like time in your life where your body is going to try to betray you (laughs) And then there's birth, which is <laughs> also your body <laughs> trying to betray you in a different way. <laughs> right. And well, it's yeah. really important to approach your body with the challenges that are purposeful, right. Yeah. With the challenges that are going to give you the greatest bang for your buck or the greatest return on your investment. Mm-hmm. Again, all that other accessory work, sexy, great. Have big shoulders. Love it. Want to pull some shit down on a cable? Sure. Great. Fantastic but make sure that you're doing some things where you're just standing mm-hmm. and gravity yep. and a weight are involved. And you're just trying to make sure that you stay upright because that's going to teach you more about moving through space than sitting down, which like no sports sit down unless right. you're playing chess. Are you playing yeah. chess? No. <laughs> okay. You're not giving birth sitting down. Maybe, maybe, maybe on the toilet, who knows, yeah. right? You're not, you're not going through life sitting down 
So why would you train sitting down? Right. Exactly. Also, don't stand on the goddamn stability ball. We've had oh my God. we've had that go we've back, had a, yeah. go back, right? You're don't <laughs> sit on a stability ball because that's not real life. You know what I mean? Don't right. stand on it either because that's not real life. That's not balance work. That's stupidity. That's negligence. Okay. And you and that ball may not make it out of that alive. The only thing you should do on a ball is maybe put your elbows on it. Yep. Maybe put maybe put your feet on it with your ass on the ground and, and do, do some, some hamstring hamstring curls. And that's it. Yep. That's it. Yo, those balls can pop. By the way, don't put your weight on the ball. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> now I do have to say the ball does have a lot of use in prenatal training. I just used like a big physio ball, but obviously yeah. you make sure it's safe for your you know for your body and stuff. Um, and yeah, going back to pregnancy, psychological resilience, distraction and focus are some of like the more mindset things that can help reduce pain and training your mindset and training your resilience, your willpower to tolerate pain is going to be one of the benefits of movement and how it can help heal pain. And especially like if we're talking about preparing for birth. You know, like I just had a client gave birth a few days ago, actually. She just had a little girl. So congratulations. Yeah, healthy baby girl. She was a long, you know, she had a long labor. Um, and just like I did, I had a long early labor as well. And it was that the ability for my psychological resilience, my ability to have that level of stress and stimulation and pain, but to withstand it and to breathe through it and to have that positive mindset basically throughout my labor. I, it wasn't just because I suddenly had that willpower and that, you know, mm -hmm. optimistic mindset. It was because I trained for that throughout my whole pregnancy and my client trained through that, through different techniques of breath work during our strength training, different techniques of visualizations and just having that, like that specific focus of that heightened physical, like intense stimulation and pain during your training in order to overcome and be more tolerant of it. Because, you know, that was my goal during my birth is to do it non-medicated. Um, and so that was a big part of my a big part of my training was training my brain and my discomfort throughout my strength training, you know, obviously mm -hmm. in a safe way. Um, and so that's a big part of one of the many benefits of movement and how it can basically reduce your physical pain is that you become more able to mentally withstand it because if you train it regularly, you're used to that discomfort and your brain is like, oh yeah, this isn't a big deal. I do this three times a week. <laughs> there's a little bit of overlap again with like older generations with that too right like right. maybe you're not preparing them in the same way like the mindset factor may not be delivered exactly the same but mm -hmm. I find that if my clients believe that they can do the thing that I ask them to do then they do it right right even if it's hard they'll be like ah this is hard you want me to lift what <laughs> you know this is yeah, 20 pounds you know with both hands you know like Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. It's hard. Hard work is hard. Right. And they acknowledge it and they're like, wow. And then they feel really good after, right. There's like this surge of dopamine, like 
I did it. I knew it was going to be hard, but I did it. Great. And I find that the other clients that are like, is this good for me? (laughs) Which like, quite frankly, I'm like, as a professional, do you think I'm choosing things for you that wouldn't be good for you? Right. Yeah. Right. And they're like, oh, I guess you wouldn't. Right. I'm like, I wouldn't, you know, because <laughs> like, fuck me, right? This is my job. Like, no, I, I wouldn't. So do the thing, right? Right. But you could tell that it's not, it's a mirror, right? They're they're not actually questioning my ability. They're questioning themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, what is this new? You want me to, I just, I don't know. You know what I mean? And if they approach the exercise in that way, they may, they may not do it. They may not execute it perfectly, which it doesn't have to be perfect anyway, right? But they may not be able to execute it in the way that I'm asking them to execute it because they are having questions about what they're feeling. And that feels weird. And, uh, yeah. You know, uh, I don't know, uh, anticipating something that may not even be happening, like pain or discomfort mm-hmm. or something, you know, in that field. So, yeah. Yeah. I do have to say, though, if mm. you are working with a coach, and you're regularly questioning what they're telling you to do. <laughs> like, like, yes, of course. Like, I feel like if you're working with a coach for a long time, you probably know their, you know, their level of education and their professionalism and you have a lot of trust in them. But I would just say you shouldn't be questioning things all the time because like maybe they are doing some unsafe things. And if you find yourself being like, should I really be doing this? Like, is this really like a good thing for me to do? Like, you know, we've seen many trainers, you and I, Laura, who who have done things with people where I've watched from a distance and be like, I would never put that person into that position and, you know, standing on that BOSU ball or like, you know, doing that kind of exercise with their, their experience level or things like that. So, you know, I think I'm looking at it more from the perspective of people that are unsure about their body, have little to no body awareness and are uncomfortable when they feel sensation. And so they question whether or not, especially of a certain generation, Mm -hmm. because they've been told to avoid pain and it could be hard for them to distinguish the difference between feeling pain and feeling muscular sensation. And they find themselves riding that line often. And so then the question is, should I be doing this? Because they don't know the difference between I feel my hamstring working and this hurts. Mm -hmm. And so I've, you know, for some people we can get over that hump and I have to explain to them that like, it's normal to feel your hamstring when your leg is lifted above your hip and we're stretching it and it's okay. And it might be intense and that's okay. And then it's another story when someone is questioning everything because they have very little body awareness and they get skittish. And then that Mm -hmm. person, right. Can't get through the session because they're getting frustrated, right? That's a mindset thing. They're getting frustrated. And now, and now, now everything is a question. Should I be doing any of this? (laughs) (laughs) and it's like well maybe not maybe maybe you should go somewhere else to somebody else yeah well and like we just talked about earlier like fear and anxiety can increase your perception of pain so right yes it's necessary to you know approach something with an open mindset with an optimistic mindset because it will actually reduce reduce your sensation of pain if you're not in fear of it Right. You can't anticipate that something's going to happen before it's happened. 
And that that's challenging if you've already experienced pain somewhere True. or discomfort yeah. somewhere. You know, your past experiences have a lot to do with your tolerance of pain and your experience of pain. And But you can train to increase that with minor discomfort over and over again, which is strength training. Yay. Yeah. Yes. Well, I I think that this little mini episode was helpful. Basically, you know, keep moving. Yeah. Keep moving. moving. Get new stimulus into your body on a regular basis and keep, you know, keep yourself in a positive mindset as much as you can, because that will definitely help create better pathways for yourself and be able to basically just try new things, which is great for your body and your mind, especially as we age. Totally. Oh my gosh. Every day, every, every day, day we get older. <laughs> every day it's a getting older, going faster than a roller coaster. We're all gonna die. Oh God, is oh. that the words? No, <laughs> I just made that last part up. Oh, We're Jesus. all gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that happy note, maybe we need to cut that out. I don't know. Um, stay active. Make sure your home is safe. Get the Legos off the floor. Practice uh, getting keep... up and down off the floor. Ooh, practice getting up and down off the floor. Yep. Walk backwards. Do a little turn. Balance on one leg. Keep it interesting. Ooh, close your eyes and march in place. Mm, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that one. My favorite part of that is ending up facing a different direction than where you were. <laughs> You're like, wow, I can see what part of my brain my brain favors or what part of my yeah. space my brain is favoring here. Yeah. 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 You can always find out something new about yourself when you try new things. And yeah, that's a good thing. So keep doing it. Keep doing it. Like Nike. <laughs> but not, we don't want to get uh, sued by them. So don't. That's well, why I said, let's do, let's keep doing it. Cause that's oh, not their oh, yeah. logo. That's not their, yeah. That's not their logo. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> that's not their motto. <sighs> We're in the clear. We're in the clear. All right, guys. We hope this was very titillating for you. It was titillating for me. I don't know about you, Laura, but I feel very titillated. I feel titillated. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your support and we would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe to Titillating Talks. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Titillating Talks and feel free to reach out to us via email, ttpodcastgals at gmail.com with any questions or suggestions. We would love to hear from you. Titillating Talks is produced by us, Hallie and Laura. And our music is by Cruise Cruise. We hope you found this episode titillating.